comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me... (laughs) What are you laughing at? I was just looking at us like... Just, we're just so scruffy, man. It's the, it's the I meant to shave time. yesterday. It's the I meant playoff to shave. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and with me today is uh, a man who the only hair on his head is his uh, is his facial hair. <laughs> That's <so> mean. <laughs> we're off to a strong start. Uh, you cracking said, up you said the me up for that one. I know I did. I really did because I, I had to. I was just like. I, I there's sometimes where I'm sitting through that that intro music and because we can see each other and I'm yeah. just like sometimes I can see you jam into it and then sometimes I'm just like I wonder what he's thinking and then <laughs> so, for like the next uh yeah <laughs> like was it like the last five seconds before it's just like I already smile I'm like ready to yeah, go yeah me too I'm like I have to act happy <laughs> uh but yeah so we're gonna be talking some uh mls stuff we missed the midweek games we didn't get to talk about them on the weekend because we were both busy uh or the original plan was to record on saturday but uh so so we're going to kind of catch up on both of those we're not going to probably go scoreline by scoreline it's just a lot of stuff to catch up on we got u.s stuff we have a guest joining us in a few minutes as well so we'll be welcoming them on at some point so you know we try to keep these between an hour an hour and a half usually we're more leaning towards the hour recently so let's go ahead and and just quickly talk of some quick news Uh, the big news of today was that uh, lafc have traded mark anthony k to the colorado rapids and this was broken by tom bogert uh earlier this afternoon and has already been announced officially by uh, by both clubs. Um, so Colorado is sending $1 million in general allocation money and a 2022 international roster slot to LAFC, and they will get the first-round pick in the Super Draft and Mark Anthony K. So Colorado getting a midfielder. LAFC is what uh, we were reading. Uh, I had it on here. It is... Uh, sorry, I have another tweet up at the same time, so I'm trying to locate. Sam's Day School. 
had agreed with the reporting, but also added a little bit more on there about who they are looking for. Um, it's going to help LAFC acquire Colombian forward Christian Arango. <clears throat> and uh, the club is expecting to finalize his signing soon. Uh, and it also says uh, that neither team is done dealing. So Rapids trying to ascend up the table. They are in fourth place. They're above LAFC right now. They're in a good spot. They're going to get Mark Anthony K, who I've heard uh, a lot of LAFC fans recently have been kind of harping on anyway. And uh, what do you make of this? One million dollars of general allocation money, Logan. Yeah, I mean, it's a good chunk of change. Um, I, I will say that. I, I know that going into the season, I think that people were, were hoping that he would step into a role in their midfield and be creative um, just because they had taken a step backwards from from what they had been uh, in that dominance. But again, you're, you were without Carlos Vela, so I think that that had a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting one. I, I'm, I, I think it's a good move. It's kind of like those change of scenery trades that you see uh, oftentimes in other sports as well. Um, where a guy just needs a fresh start. And it looks like Mark Anthony K is going to get at least his um, version of a, a new scenery. So, you know, I, I think it's an interesting move. Um, K had nine starts in 10 games that he's played in. Um, so it's it's a guy that had been plugged into their starting lineup quite a bit in that midfield. But they do have a lot of midfielders that I think are just – it clogs up that situation there. They got Latif Blessing. Um, Sifuentes is also there um, along with um, – a couple other pieces. So, you know, with Atuesta in there, I just don't know where Mark Anthony K fits into that, that program. And I think that that, you know, the Rapids are looking for a midfielder. So I think that that helped, that's helpful for them. Yeah. Is Acosta leaving? I mean, that's uh, what I was starting to think. I was like, that's what that's some gonna... people were starting to think is Acosta going maybe overseas or. Yeah. Like maybe he's doing the American thing where he's like, Hey, I've played well enough in the Olympics to, or, you know, Olympic qualifying and, and gold cup and stuff. Maybe I can, head over in, into a new situation. So, yeah, maybe Acosta. And I do think Acosta's played a little bit better than he had been playing. I don't think he's anything to write home about. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting move for the Rapids. It's an interesting move for LAFC. But, again, LAFC just loading up on some money to get some more talent. What I like about this from Colorado is the fact that they're not just going to sit pat. Uh, you know, they are – Going out to get somebody, they're in fourth place in the West. Third is in real reach. Uh, first and second kind of, you know, Seattle and KC kind of starting to pull away a bit more. But they're also five points up from the drop of the playoff zone. If they make a, a deal like Mark Anthony K, if he works out for the team and he, and he contributes and they move, you know, they continue to uh, kind of ascend – then they're going to have that gap between them and the playoff drop uh, a lot bigger, and they'll be able to maybe make a push for a title, which I don't know the last time we can say that the Rapids were really title contenders or you know even this high in the West. So still anything can change with the gap, but the gap is starting to grow a bit more in the West and mm -hmm. in all of these. Uh, well, maybe the East is still getting kind of tight, but the, the gap is starting to grow a bit, and we're starting to see these teams make decisions – that are going to influence which way they end up going on all of this. And I, I think this might be one that works beneficially for both teams. And uh, that, you know, if LAFC is going to spend 
some more money to bring in a different uh, player. That it is kind of weird. It's a forward, I guess, and not somebody that's going to be like a, a like for like. But mm-hmm. I guess we will see how it goes uh, from there. But yeah, th- this is the biggest news of the day. Here is this is this trade, and uh, you know, like I said, Stayskull says that both teams are not done. So I'm assuming that means we're going to get some more stuff uh, here pretty soon. I was going to say that the transfer window for MLS closes, their registration window closes at August 5th. So they've yeah. got about, what, a week and a couple of days to figure it out. Well, some of these other yeah, Premier League. Yeah, a week and two days. Yeah, the Premier League and everybody else is still going through August. So um, it'll be interesting because there, there's a lot of clubs, I think, that are going to be looking for pieces over in Europe because they're trying to get their teams up and going because preseason started. So um It'll be interesting to see how many MLS guys are plucked off the next coming week or so um, as people come back from Gold Cup and, and different cups that they've been in in off-seasons and vacations. So, Next bit of news here. Ricardo Pepe has signed a new five-year deal to last with Dallas till <laughs> 2026. Not <laughs> actually stay that long, but it is a nice pay increase for him before he makes uh, any sort of jump. Next week, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably in the coming weeks. I mean, because they have been talking about uh, there was a team, I think Bologna, uh, Bologna that, was look- yeah. that was looking at him mm-hmm. just this week. So uh, you know, Dallas is going to end up flipping him, but I think it's nice of them to you know give him the bump and pretend that ahead. he's going to be there for five uh, yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> for the Probably fan base, at least. media. Yeah, hey, we like this guy. Hey, he signed. Uh, he scored three goals. Uh, on one of their games this past match week, uh, FC Dallas actually changed their old Twitter handle to FC Ricardo Pepe, and I don't know what they'll do when he leaves. <laughs> they'll just be FC, FC, because uh, <laughs> they don't certainly represent Dallas with the way they're playing. But uh, yeah, good move for him, I guess. Uh, you know, get the money or get. I guess he gets probably a signing bonus or something before he would mm-hmm. move on. Otherwise, I don't know the point of it. I guess. Uh, some news between football and football, Patrick Mahomes joining the Sporting Kansas City ownership group. That's fun. I mean, he, yeah. he's the Royals, uh, owner as well. He plays for Kansas City Chiefs. He is also seen frequently at the games mm-hmm. in supporter sections and, you know, jumping around chanting. So, you know, Hey, <clears throat> that's, that's, Pretty good, uh, you know. When you can say, it, when you can have somebody like Patrick Mahomes bringing a spotlight nationwide. Yeah. I mean, uh, who was it that just shared this too? Uh, Adam Schefter mm-hmm. shared this, and that's like a whole base of people that usually uh, will not know anything about uh, the MLS. Yeah. So, pretty good for them to get out uh, that way as well, you know, kind of the same way Russell Wilson is the owner of, uh, Sounders. Yeah. I was going to say the second biggest name in NFL, Patrick Mahomes, I'd say behind mm-hmm. Brady now, um, and Brady he'll who? take over, huh? <laughs> Thomas Brady. Um, Oh yeah, he, yeah. He's still playing. yeah. That guy. Um, I think he's like <laughs> Miami's 13th DP or something like that, but, um, <laughs> no, but it, it is good because Patrick Mahomes grew the game of football in a different way. Uh, and if he can get his hand in on the the cauldron of, especially with Sporting Kansas City because of how good they are, um, that's exciting stuff for everybody involved and get some youth players um, excited because our youth is up and coming. Now let's get to some depressing news. Okay. Remember Orlando? How, 
No, remember oh. how we talked about before that there are these uh, what is the word I'm looking at here? Uh, like contracting places that are helping find jobs for some of these MLS teams. Yes. Yeah. The yeah the, the firms the um, yeah the firms. firms. Yeah. One is called Sportsology, and guess who is helping? Uh, who enlisted Sportsology? None other than the San Jose Quakes, who I think have been using uh, these type of places before. Same firms, yeah. Uh, they are going to hire a GM by the end of September is the goal, with a short list of four to five candidates by mid-August. If you don't know who Sportsology is, just get ready for this. Uh <laughs> Paul Tenorio points out, for those unfamiliar, Sportsology has been involved in front office hires in MLS, such as Inner Miami, FC Cincinnati, and Chicago. Oh. <laughs> Some alarming things here as well is that this person, uh, the chairman, Mike Ford of Sportsology, is also helping St. Louis. Oh, dear. So I, I think if you look at that, St. Louis is probably not going to have a hot start. If I'm looking no. at it, <laughs> if you're bad, it says Sportsology works across all sports. They've been involved in the NBA and other leagues as well. But let's just say their MLS track records is not so great. Jonathan Tanawald uh, points out as well that this is probably a hefty a fee that they are paying Sportsology, money that could go somewhere else. Is it really that hard to put together a list of candidates to to get bring in a GM? I wouldn't think so. Not in a major sport in the United States, um, and especially in markets that that do pretty well. I, I would assume San Jose is one of the top still because I saw they were one of the top five markets for the Gold Cup when watching. So I, you know that area in California, I just don't get. I don't understand. Can't they reach out to some of these other like reach out to some of these NFL stars? Um, I know the Dolphins had gone through this kind of relationship where they pooled a bunch of celebrities and money together, athletes that lived in South Miami, and then they hired a football mind. Um, to kind of run that, and, and I think that that's something that should be successful, not these hiring. Why can't terms. they just look at other GMs in the league, GMs right. that are doing well, or like the Union did, and they went out and got uh, Ernst Tanner, yeah. who is uh, you know a, a football director from a different country. Why? Why mm -hmm. are we? Why are you enlisting uh, the help of Sportsology? Who probably, I would assume, doesn't know much about. And I feel like they wouldn't know much about this, and. They're really just getting a list of candidates together, and then you know, obviously, the people making the decisions are in the club or whatever. But it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked, and I'm worried about St. Louis because when I like again, let's read out those club names. Are you ready? Inner Miami, FC Cincinnati, Chicago. All three of those teams suck yeah. right now, and have had no progression. They've regressed. I think San Jose even they've, yeah. they've used these type of people before. Maybe not Sportsology, but they've used these people before. Yeah. And I think they said that was the last two hires for San Jose. And they've gone nowhere. So I don't know. It just seems pointless. Just why can't you – how can you not just go out and find somebody? But I think the issue too is is there's an issue in finding people because sometimes it's like a Robert Kraft or it's like a David Beckham with this party of uh, whoever he has with him. Um I don't know. It just seems like soccer hasn't gotten to the point where they've gotten like legitimate 
ownership. And I think the Wolf family that now owns Orlando as of a couple of days ago, um, I think that that's a step in the right direction. If you can get more of these big football names, I guess, Robert Kraft um, being one of them. Um, Kraft just, doesn't really do anything. No, but at least he's got at least he's got money, and at least he's got that stature of like, oh, this is a Robert Kraft you know production. Whereas, like, if you can get that with other things, and I think other big time billionaires or other owners are stepping in, and they're kind of going, hey, this might be something that's worth the investment. And once they start seeing these young talents starting to flip, I think you're going to start to see some of those those dominoes fall because it's a great way to make an investment. Um, you know, invest in this youth talent, flip them around, keep some of that money and then spend it on some players. But, and all, you know, ultimately you're just going to be making money off these younger players that keep going to Europe. All right, let's move on to the actual results. The, the, the games here. Wednesday, we had some midweek matches. The crew drew with Nashville nil-nil. New England scored five past Miami. Uh, New York City FC beat Montreal one-nil. Toronto and New York Red Bulls drew 1-1. Chicago and D.C. drew 2-2. Cincinnati drew with Atlanta 1-1. Kansas City drew with San Jose 1-1. The Rapids beat Dallas 2-0. Salt Lake drew with L.A. Galaxy 2-2. And the Portland Timbers beat LAFC 2-1. Then on Thursday, Orlando City beat Philadelphia Union 2-1 in the stateside soccer show derby. Uh, and uh, it was a very fun game, very it entertaining was. game. And then we had Austin lose to Seattle 1-0 with the goal of the week by Raul Ruiz Diaz. Uh, just fantastic goal. He comes on. You know, they started five homegrown teenagers that game Seattle did. And uh, Austin fans visibly upset that they could not beat a team with half of the squad being teenagers. And then Raul Ruiz Diaz comes in and scores a moment of magic. And uh, that was all for the midweek games. Anything really stand out to you that much? I Let's just say we will talk some revs in a little bit. We are having one of our pals from Revolution Recap on, and we will be able to talk about them more in depth this episode. But uh, just anything other than the revs sticking out to you on uh, the midweek? Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, going through the, the fixtures and stuff and looking at the table as long as uh, along with uh, the results that we had this uh, midweek, I would say that Nashville um, is, again, a team we did not um, expect Jordan and I. I mean, I think we had him bottom of the playoffs, um, both of us. So I think that when you look at a team, um, maybe not, maybe to be. Yeah. Bottom of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I th- for some reason, I thought that was like the the really bad side of the thing. I was like, "Whoa, we didn't have that one." <laughs> uh, no, but we had them bottom of the playoffs. But right now, they're sitting pretty uh, in that second spot. They've got a match uh, in hand. Um, they're only you know seven points off the leaders in in New England, which we'll get to. But um, again, I, I think that Nashville's played extremely well. That Hani Mukhtar is starting to play really well, um, which they really needed. And I think that they're you know, really going to battle for a top four spot, which is huge because you get that home field uh, advantage. And, and, you know, looking forward to the playoffs, I think that um, you need about 40-something to get in. So they're they're about halfway to that destination, and I think they get there pretty easily. So it's a pretty interesting start um, for Nashville. And now that we're getting further and further into the season, I think that they've become a team that's going to be super competitive and, and give some of those top four teams a run for their money in the East. 
One of the things that really, I guess, um, stood out to me in the midweek was the uh, was Atlanta, and and we'll we'll kind of talk about them again with with the weekend results. But uh, I guess no, they didn't play this weekend, did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they didn't. Right, I see it right here. I'm, I'm blind. Um, but the fact is that they ha- they haven't had that new interim manager bump or anything, right? Like they are yeah. just, they cannot score. They will, they are out of ideas. They get to the box, they, they whip in crosses, they don't know what to do. Uh, they're, they're, other times they're building up play and nothing really goes their way. And then uh, another team usually scores or, you know, uh, nicks a 1 0 win, as we'll see at the weekend results. And it's been rough. I mean, look, Cincinnati's there for the taking, right? And they draw 1-1 with them. Um, Cincinnati has not been good this year. They'll face the crew, who's always a tough one. But but there was times where they dominated parts of that game and just couldn't score on the weekend. And it makes me wonder where they go from here. They just they need a full rebuild, I feel like, at this point. You, you just build around Joseph Martinez and, and move everybody else. I, I don't know who else – I mean, who else deserves to be on that Atlanta team? I don't think Miles Robinson stays around for much longer. Um, He's not going to stay around long. Santiago Sosa won't be around for much longer either. Uh, That's crazy to say because he just signed, but I think within a year he's gone. Um, Not this year, but I think if you give a year, if you look 365 days on this roster, I don't think Santiago Sosa's around just because I think he'll get poached off by one of these European teams just by how impressive he's been. George Bello has talked about making a move. Uh, Moreno has talked about making a move. So, you know, you've got a lot of good players that I think Ezekiel Barco, who I think thinks highly of himself, but he just doesn't have the talent I think that you need. They got to move on from him anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I just think, you know, Kuzan's it, getting up there. You old, have to yeah. find a different keeper yeah. at some point. And you've point. got the young keeper, but again, it's just a matter of this team is in that real dangerous spot. If you're, if you're an Atlanta fan, you've got to feel they're in a really dangerous spot because I don't think that this team has five or six pieces that are absolutely studs. I think it's more of Joseph and then you've got Santiago Sosa and Miles Robinson up and coming. I think that's the three you look at and go, these are difference makers in this league. But once it starts to get to a certain point, you're going to get stuck in this spot where you've got too many pieces and they don't work. And you're just going to be going, I don't have any money to do anything else. So that's kind of where we are with them. Negra out. Yeah, that's been trending big time all over Twitter. I mean, so many of his signings have just uh, not come across well. There was another one that they just got rid of. Uh, they they sold him off or whatever, and it was somebody that never made an impact. I mean, I can't even think yeah. of his name right now. Uh, let's talk about the weekend results. On Saturday, Atlanta lost to Columbus 1-0. I was watching that one. Uh, Toronto beat Chicago 2-1. Minnesota beat Portland 2-1. Come from behind victory for Minnesota. The shocker, this is the one that really stood out to me this weekend. Dallas beat LA Galaxy 4-0. Dallas. Or, sorry, Ricardo Pepe FC uh, scored uh, four past LA Galaxy. Nashville beat Cincinnati 3-0. Salt Lake over the Rapids 3-0. San Jose 1, Houston 1, LAFC 2, Vancouver 2. LAFC not in a good run of form lately. We'll talk about the Revs in just a bit, but the Revs beat Montreal 2-1. They continue their good home form. New York City FC put five past Orlando. What happened there, Logan? Uh, <laughs> let's let's play a rotation game, please. 
What's it was at it was at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's, that's it was at Yankee Stadium. That, right? It was a rotation game. Um, and Daryl DK, they just miss him so much. Uh, Miami won. Philadelphia Union won uh, at Miami. Just not a good game from the Union. They have not been up to par. They they fell as far as fifth place before they played that game. DC United won. New York Red Bulls nil. Uh, Kansas City beat Seattle three once. So now Seattle has lost two of their last three, if I have that right. Um, yeah, just just crazy here. And when we look at the standings, we have Seattle in top of the West, 32 points. Kansas City with 30. LA Galaxy still in third with 25. They're falling a little bit further behind. The Rapids in fourth with 24. LAFC in fifth with 22. Minnesota in sixth with 21. And Salt Lake in seventh with 20. Portland right behind them with 19. Then you have Houston with 17, Dallas with 14, San Jose with 11, Vancouver, uh, San Jose in 11th with 14, Vancouver in 12th with 14, and Austin waking up in last place, as our friends in Austin said. Yeah, uh, it's it's trouble in paradise for them, and, and that's another team that you kind of highlight. But I, I think they've got at least pre-court that I think he's got a little bit too much pride right now for – the fact that he about left Columbus in a, in a disarray and took the team with him. Um, I, I think that he's got, you know, enough money and, and wits about him to try to pull this team up out of where they are. But again, I mean, you know, you talk about success as an expansion team, Atlanta was kind of like that one off that had really good success as soon as they joined the league. But now you see where they're kind of going back down towards the medium. Um, so you kind of wonder exactly where this team's headed to uh, Austin that is. And, um, I know that there's been some some issues with defense, obviously, and, and scoring is a big issue that they've been trying to solve because they've been trying to get just creative in that attacking, you know, front. But I, I just don't see where this team's going to be that competitive. Yeah, they, they can't score. Um, that's part of their problems, even when they're playing against 15 year olds on from Seattle. Yeah. They do defend pretty well, though. I'm giving that. Yeah, you know, uh, they uh, they're having some problems there, but. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, they have had some good defense with Stuver yeah. uh, in goal. But we'll see how it goes. Welcome to MLS. It's never a cakewalk. So all these uh, Austin fans who thought it would be, it's not. Um, also, welcome to pre-court. <laughs> Probably not going to put that much money in it, to be honest. Now, is pre-court where you go before you go on trial, or is that – oh, never mind. I'm, no, that's uh, yeah. the, that's perjury. <laughs> oh man um yeah but we'll see go follow top flight pod for the uh if we want to continue the court puns they will be judge jury and executioner yeah. on how they're top flight here yeah so go ahead and check them out they'll uh they'll let you know that's our friend hernan who's been mm-hmm. on the show a few times he'll let you know how austin's feeling about it because uh, from the sense I get a lot of people not too happy people asking for Josh Wolf to be gone, which again, he can only do what he's really provided with. And it's going to take more than a year to build. You cannot really be uh, like you said, being in, in Atlanta is very rare coming right in being competitive. And then the next year winning MLS cup yeah. is very rare, very rare. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Anything else stand out to you on the weekend? Uh, we kind of mentioned Dallas putting five pass, a uh, four pass the Galaxy. Man, I just increased it another goal there. Sorry, I was going to say you really got to about the Galaxy. 
blasting through four teams that don't even stand a chance when Jordan's reading score lines. Um, no, I guess, I, you know, looking at the weekend, uh, we're in a weird spot. We're in the grinding part of the summer. Once you get up out of this fog of, of mm-hmm. Gold Cup and the transfers and letting everybody settle in from their transfers as well, um, I think you're going to start seeing teams kind of fall into place. You are starting to get to a point where you're seeing the clear runners uh, in each of the conferences. But I think that if you look at the standings, um, you realize that the East is a little bit tighter than the West. I think I think the West is starting to get more big gaps in between the teams. Um, so real tight run in the East. It looks like it's going to be pretty much. Um, oh yeah, let's let's West. talk the East. I talked the West. Sorry, uh, New England in first with 33 points. Nashville up to second with 26. Orlando in third with 25. The Union down to fourth with 24 points. Columbus in fifth with 24 points. New York City FC in 6th with 23 points. Montreal in 7th with 22. In 8th, D.C. United in 20. So that's the first team below the playoff line. Red Bulls in ninth with 18. Atlanta in 10th with 14. Toronto in 11th with 13 points. Cincinnati in 12th with 13 points. Chicago in 13th with 12 points. And Miami is now the bottom team. There is Toronto since they got rid of their uh, manager has now let frog all the way up to 11th. So the East has a big battle at the bottom and it has a pretty, uh, a battle that's widening up top. So I guess we'll go ahead and, and bring our guest on here. Hello, Greg. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me back on. I'm really excited to be on with you guys. I really enjoyed talking to you the first time. And the last time uh, I was on with you guys, I went back and I listened to the episode and uh, I heard after my interview, you guys kind of <laughs> said that you weren't sold on the revs. <laughs> I don't know what you're time. talking about. I think we were all pretty what episode high on was that? that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, e- either way, I'm glad to be back with you guys and hopefully I uh, convert you guys fully to believers this episode. <laughs> I don't think it may take much. I think the season has kind of spoken for itself, at least for this first run of games. Yeah, so so let's let's get into it a bit, Dave. Uh, you know, for the beginning of the season, all the talk was on Seattle. They'd gone without having any losses. Um, they still have one less loss than New England, but New England has now kind of pulled ahead. They're one point ahead of the Sounders with uh, the same amount of games played. What do you think the chances are for not just MLS Cup? Because we know that New England has had a bad history there, but like getting a supporter shield, or you know, how do you feel uh, about the chances with that, especially with Bruce Arena at the helm? Yeah, certainly there is a little bit more optimism about that. I think at the beginning of the year, uh, when I was talking to guys, I said a top three finish would be kind of sufficient for a successful season for the Revs. But yeah, at this point, with how the team is playing, everyone's kind of hitting on all cylinders. Um, the three designated players are all playing really, really well. Carlos Heal has upped his game even more uh, than what we expected. Um, he's looking like an MVP candidate this year. Um, and the other thing, too, is that it doesn't seem like Bruce Arena is going to be selling any major pieces. Uh, Matt Turner and Tejan Buchanan are obviously two guys that have been linked to Europe. Um, and he kind of made a statement a few weeks ago that they're not planning on letting anyone go uh you know, off of their roster. They're not planning to sell anyone. So they seem to be really all in. Um, Apparently another signing is coming in. Bruce Arena hinted at another signing um, a few weeks ago, but nothing has really come of that. So uh, right now everything is going great for the revolution. Uh, Even though they're losing, they've lost some players to the gold cup. They're still going strong. So supporter shield is definitely in the equation right now. Um, 
it's a little bit harder because I know there's some really good teams out West, but you know, certainly in the East, uh, the Revs look like they control their own destiny. It's good too, because you know, the way that they've changed the schedule right now too, we're mostly facing Eastern teams. So you might be able to rack up some games against, uh, you know, like Miami and, <laughs> you know, some of those teams that have been kind of uh, bottom dwellers this season uh, that can really help. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think our two, West, our two Western Conference team, game, it's Dallas, which was a loss anyway. Uh, and then I think our other game is Colorado. So we, we kind of drew kind of some lower tier teams in the West. We're not up against a, a Kansas City or a Seattle Right. Um, so we, we kind of drew a little bit lucky on the schedule there, but, but yeah, I mean, the revolution know that Eastern conference really, really well in and out. So yeah, I, I, there's not a team in the Eastern conference that I think scares any Revs fans. Yeah. So I was going to say, but, I mean, you've got three guys gone with gold cup um, and, and, you know, Buchanan, uh, Matt Turner and Kessler now with uh, that's joined them, um, you know, with those three guys gone, uh, it doesn't look like the Revs have really missed much. Um, how do they fit those guys back in? I know that I, I listened to you guys' episode. I think you guys are on Twitter Spaces um, mm-hmm. about a week ago or so, uh, and you were talking about how Buchanan fits back in with this team when he gets back in. What do you see, uh, you know, Bruce doing with the formation, and, and how does that change when Buchanan gets back into the fold? Yeah, so it's really interesting because before the Gold Cup, they were running a four-two-three-one, and Adam Buxa was kind of sitting out a few games, and he was kind of being rotated in. Gustavo Bo was being played as the uh, striker up top, and Gustavo Bo is having a phenomenal season uh, right now. He's got nine goals, and he's third in the league in goals. Uh, and Adam Buxa has had a pretty solid season too. He also has seven goals, but is kind of drawing the short end of the straw. Um, so with, with Buchanan gone, they've been able to play them both and they're playing more of a diamond formation and a four, four, two diamond. Um, so when they come back, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit on our podcast last week, there's a, a debate on whether or not they're sticking with the four, four, two, or if they go back to that four, two, three, one, which is what Bruce arena has played most of the time he's been in new England. Um, I, I still think there's some more games to be played before the end of the gold cup. Uh, I, I think, still think that there is. Um, you know, a few more games to test out this diamond because it's one thing to beat up on Miami. It's another thing to go against, you know, New York City FC. Um, so I, I think they're going to revert back to the four-two-three-one. But I wouldn't be shocked if we stay to the six to the four-four-two if we end up um, uh, staying, you know, undefeated and if we keep winning. Um, but you mentioned Buchanan specifically. I, I think the reason we go back to the four-two-three-one is because uh, Bruce Arena views him as a winger and. There is a case to be made that he plays kind of that attacking wing back role at right back, which is what Brandon Bay is playing right now. So they might stick with the four four two and kind of keep Buchanan as an attacking wing back. But just knowing how Bruce Arena has played Tejan this season, uh, I, I think he's going to want to put him kind of on that right wing where he, he's performed really, really well with the Revolution this year. It's kind of crazy. It's like the you know some of the teams that have lost players to the Gold Cup or to injury. I feel like they've been doing a lot better than than some of the teams that have kept their whole team you know like we had seattle and their in their injury list before the gold cup and then they have some players on gold cup and then you have the revs and uh you know just excuse atlanta from there uh but uh the the other question i had for you is uh about the about the the strike uh striker partnership here with uh bo and buxa as they both have uh bo with uh, nine goals and buxa with seven and, you know, when you look at the rest of the league, you have Rui Diaz with 11, you have Chitarito with 10, uh, and then Salue and Pepe with eight, and then a whole bunch of people with seven. But it definitely seems like they are probably the strongest strike partnership in uh, MLS currently. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and not just that, but someone tweeted out the, you know, production from the designated player groups across MLS. And if you just look at it from a goals and assists standpoint, uh, I think the Rebs have 16 and 16 and, you know, no one is matching that production. So if you add in Carlos Hill, um, you know, there, there's, I mean, just that those three players have done spectacular this year. Um, yeah, I actually just tweeted out a stat about Gustavo Bokes. I was doing some research before hopping on here, and he actually has 3.78 expected goals, uh, but he has nine goals total. So he leads MLS. Uh, that's according to American uh, or, or yeah, American Soccer Analysis. Uh, so he's he's got a expected goal differential of 5.22, which is easily in first place. Uh, Ricardo Pepe in Dallas is 4.17. So just to, as an example of how clinical uh, Gustavo Bo has been and how productive he has been. Um, he, he's really killing it uh, as a striker this year. Uh, and in terms of Buxa, he's still had a bit of a hit or miss season. He's scored seven goals, but there have been some uh, chippy moments. There have been some times he hasn't put away chances. Um, he relies a lot more on service in the air. And so I, I think maybe his chances are just a little bit harder to come by. Uh, but he still found the net seven times. So his expected goals are around, I think, 8.5. So he's a little bit off his expected goals pace. Um, but he's certainly taken a step forward. I know we talked mm -hmm. about that in our last episode. Right. Um, he's taken a, a big step forward and is showing he's an MLS quality striker. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, we talk about Buchanan coming back. If they go back to that 4-2-3-1, who's that one? It's really hard to say Gustavo Bo is, is you know, he's really performing well. He's going to be your guy up top. So yeah. we're talking about Adam Books as a guy with seven goals who's performing well. But, you know, down the stretch, he might be the odd man out uh, in the starting lineup. As a Union fan, I, I would definitely take uh, seven goals and nine from Bo up top because right now I think our leading goal scorer is Shabilko with six. So, yeah, that's uh, been a problem area for us. But, yeah, so a little envious over here. It's certainly a very good problem to have, uh, I will say. You yeah, can never have definitely. Yeah. So people that don't watch the Revs, um, give us kind of your pitch for Carlos Hill and, and just – why he deserves the, the talk of being MVP, what makes him so special and how crucial is he to this team? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, just watch one game and you'll be with me on this one. He should absolutely be MVP. Um, I mean, I, I kind of call his position the point guard because you really just get him the ball and he's going to just kind of control the entire offense. Whenever there's a slowdown, he's going to get the ball. They're going to find him the ball and he's just going to find a, a way to get, get it into the box and create a lot of chances. Um, one is just from the run of play, he's magical. Uh, he's able to find people behind the defense, and he's created a lot of chances. Um, he, he's really good at anticipating passes. I mean, you really could just, like, if you just watch all of his assists, there are somewhere. Um, there was one play earlier this year where I think it was a secondary assist, but Dewan Jones is down on the left side. He's the left back, uh, and he's down on the ground, and he gets up, and he sees the ball kind of going to Carlos Hill in the middle and immediately just knows to shoot deep. Uh, and kind of almost in stride perfectly. Carlos Hill hits a long ball down the left, and Dewan Jones is, you know, insanely speedy. So, um, you know, he'll just have that anticipation to kind of go deep down the left to, to hit uh, Dewan Jones. He's also had a nice, you know, few chip passes uh, past the defense. Um, he's really just able to place the ball perfectly wherever he wants it. And he's ex insanely dangerous off of set pieces, which is makes uh, Adam Buxa more dangerous because he's very good in the air. So, um, I mean, from set pieces, from open play, He's also does a lot of work defensively too. He wins balls in the midfield as well. He's not just a one trick pony. So he does a little bit of everything. He's a very creative playmaker. Um, I mean, just watch one revolution game with Carlos Hill playing 90 minutes. You're, you're going to be converted. 
And um, I think he has 13 assists right now. He's going for the all-time uh, single-season uh, assist record. I think the record is 26 with Carlos Valderrama in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, and then behind him, uh, there are two people at 20. So um, by the end of the season, I'd be shocked if Carlos Hill is not at least second on that list. Uh, and a lot of people are thinking he's going to break the record this year. Uh, so I did have a question then for, uh, you know, like you mentioned on the episode that you joined us for the preview, the goal was, you know, a top three finish in the East. Uh, the the points are now very, uh, like the gap is widening. New England in first with 33, Nashville in second with 26, as they've kind of jumped up a bit, but Orlando and Philly kind of falling behind. Do you see it as a, the new goal is now first place? Uh, maybe that supporter shield or like, are does the supporter shield satisfy New England fans or is it really focusing on getting that first MLS cup after, you know, all those disappointing finals? Yeah. I would say the number one priority is MLS cup, just because of what you said, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, you right. know, <laughs> five, five, oh, and five is not a great record. So we'd like to kind of overcome that supporter shield certainly would be nice to add to the trophy case. Uh, but I, I think MLS Cup is just the number one priority. And I, I think in terms of where we'd like to finish in terms of being satisfied, I, I think the number one seed is kind of the goal right now that everyone's focused on. Supporter Shield would be nice, um, but there are certainly some strong teams out in the West that, you know, I think it would be understandable if the Rebs, you know, drop some points and Seattle or Kansas City pass them. Um, but I think just in terms of home field advantage where the Revolution, minus a, an off night against Toronto, uh, they've been unbeaten this year. Um, I, I think they want to secure home field advantage uh, and kind of go into the playoffs with that one seed and kind of, again, control their destiny and have people come to New England as opposed to having to go down to Orlando or going to Columbus because those are some atmospheres that, you know, it, it's just a lot harder in high intensity, uh, you know. And, and they've been very good at Gillette. The, their record is uh, very good there. They've had just the one loss. Mm -hmm. They're at six wins, uh, no draws. So, yeah, definitely would want that game at home. And and that one loss, too, was a bit of a fluke. It was a midweek game against Toronto. It was right after yeah. Toronto fired Chris Armas. <laughs> uh, and the first, it, they went down 3 nothing real early. Brad Knighton made a pretty huge error. It was his first game with Matt Turner gone. Um, right. He did a few more times. And then the Revolution came back. They, they nearly tied the game and got away with a 3-3 draw. So uh, even that game, it, it looks odd seeing a, an L next to the Toronto game. But um, if you watch the full context of that game, you know, the Revolution certainly played better than uh, – or are they certainly better than they were that night? So I do have a question about the legend of John Bell. Um, you guys informed us of the legend John Bell um, and the hashtag that you guys have all thrown around on uh, Revolution Twitter. Um, so how's that story going? Uh, just kind of fill us in on John and how he's doing. And, and do you see any kind of uh, progress made? Um, I know it's his first year kind of getting that helm there. Uh, is it is he fitting in nicely? Are they looking for other options possibly as a transfer deadline? Uh, is coming up pretty soon. Yeah, so to fill in your listeners in case they didn't hear the first episode, uh, John <laughs> Bell was a signing from the Revolution 2 team. Uh, and I don't remember if the signing was official when we talked to you guys, but he tweeted out something of him. Like I think it was. Paper. Yeah, I think yeah, it wasn't it official yet. It was like yeah, rumored. Yeah. yeah. So it was rumored he was going to sign. So a bunch of us on Rev's Twitter tweeted out, hashtag announce John Bell. Uh, <laughs> and then they, they did. They signed him. And uh, I didn't expect anything big to come from John Bell this season. He kind of seemed like a depth signing to me, uh, but he's turned into a, the third center back on the team. He's getting a lot of minutes. Henry Kessler, weirdly enough, who's, who's with the United States right now at the Gold Cup, 
he was expected to be kind of the number one center back going into the season, but Bruce Arena has rotated Kessler and Bell on and off this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Arena's line is that he says that he, you know, there's a lot of schedule congestion and they wanted to kind of make sure they had three center backs that they could trust. So John Bell is that third center back and he wanted to get him some minutes early in the season. Um, but it is odd that Kessler has been the one that has gone to the bench while, while Andrew Farrell plays every single game. Mm-hmm. So John Bell seems to be competing with Henry Kessler for minutes. And, you know, that, that just goes to speak to, you know, how, how, I think how much of a, how much we were sleeping on John Bell going into the season. We didn't expect him to make this impact, but he's challenging a United States uh, men's center back for, for minutes week in and week out. So um, with that being said, there is some concern along that back line. You know, I, I would say John Bell right now is a rotation piece. I, I don't think a lot of Revs fans would feel great if he was the starting center back for the rest of the, rest of the season, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's starting an MLS Cup, I, I don't know if that's the, you know, there's a lot of confidence there. People kind of like him as a prospect that's still kind of growing. And, and again, graduating college two years ago, he was a left back. So he's a converted center back, so he's still learning a little bit. Um, so, But overall, this summer window, a lot of Russ fans are clamoring for another center back to at least add into the mix uh, because Bell and Kessler seem to be question marks. No one knows who's got that spot locked down. And then Andrew Farrell has played every single game, and, and he's a veteran presence. And it's helping out a very young back line. Um, but a lot of people have some questions about Farrell as well. So mm-hmm. neither, neither center back spot really right now is clear, and, and maybe there's going to be some answers down the line. Um, but if you were to poll Revolution fans, I think the number one spot people want to see an addition or an upgrade is center back for some stability on that back line. Yeah, we're just waiting here on stateside for for John Bell to take over the defensive player of the year eventually down the road and, and strip it away from Walker um, and, and just completely hey, come onto the scene. Former UMBC uh, yes. player, John yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah, that's right around my neck of the woods. That's true. And and you know what? When you put it in terms of uh, UMBC, it's not a real big surprise to see him take that spot from Kessler because it's not the first time anyone from UMBC has upset someone from uh, UVA. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's true. Uh, we want to get your thoughts on the rebrand. Uh, I'm going to show it on the screen here for any of the viewers. But I want to get your thoughts on it because – I don't think Revolution have announced it, but it seems to be on upcoming merch and stuff. But this is what it looks like. And just wanted to get your thoughts. This is what it reminded me of. It reminded me of the Friends (laughs) uh, thing on the back of Monica's door here. Uh, But what are your thoughts on the new Revolution logo, supposedly? Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it at first. I think any rebrand, though, I wouldn't have liked. I think one thing that that some Revs fans uh, really like is that we are still kind of got that one MLS one point branding. Yeah. yeah, the crayon flag. We kind of like the originality, and you know, every team comes out with a new rebrand, and it kind of seems weird. We just played Montreal this past weekend. You know, I don't think that impact the, the no. changing from the impact really worked out. Um, yeah, Columbus, it did not make an impact on, on, on <laughs> no, no. And then whatever Columbus tried doing earlier this year, mm-hmm. that was kind of weird. So uh, I think just normally some Revs fans and myself included are, are kind of hesitant to just rebranding at all. Um, but with that being said, if we had to rebrand, I don't hate this. They keep the name New England Revolution, which to me is yeah. very important. I think if they were New England FC or New England United or Boston United, I think that would turn off a lot of fans. And then the logo itself looks a little weird and it'll take a while to get used to, but I've certainly seen, certainly seen a lot worse. Uh, they certainly could have completely dropped the ball. So 
overall on, on the grand scheme of things, you know, if I'm grading this rebrand, I'm probably giving it a B or a B minus. I don't love it, but I don't completely hate it. And so in a lot of ways, that's a win. Yeah, I think we both liked it here. I think uh, when we yeah. talked about it, we both liked it. Uh, I think it looks really good on a shirt too because they get rid of the circle, I think, right? It's just like the the red and the R uh, when it's on a jersey or shirt. So I, I like that. I, um, I feel like this is, it's something you're going to – the more you look at it, the more mm -hmm. it grows on you because, yeah, I could see that being a great crest or something like that. There's a lot of potential with it. So I, it's rumored. It, they didn't deny it. So we don't know if this is in its final form. Uh, but I agree with you guys. It's it, it'll grow on people. I, I don't think. I think in three or four years, no one's going to have any objections to it. Right. Yeah. I think one last question. Yeah, one last question before we uh, have you plug your stuff. Um, we of course have to gush about Matt Turner, um, like we did last time, um, and just kind of get your thoughts on the season he's having. Um, hit your thoughts on how he's played in Gold Cup, and do you think there's a future there? Do you think that Matt Turner can kind of chase some of these guys with the U.S. Men's National Team? Yeah, Matt Turner, If you arguably it's his worst season with the Revolution if you look at expected goals. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because there just hasn't been as much pressure on him. He's still performing very well, but he just isn't under siege as much as he has been in seasons past. Um, but overall, he's having a very good season, kind of par for the course. Uh, it's really exciting to see him get some minutes with the United States uh, national team in, in, in the Gold Cup. Um, I like to think he's challenging since the last time we talked, Ethan Horvath happened. And so I think that kind of muddies the waters even more. Um, so Turner's in a really tough spot in my my eyes where with the U.S., he's a little too old really to kind of mm -hmm. be the long-term prospect with the Choa breathing down his neck. So he kind of has to make his move now. And I think he's doing well at the Gold Cup, but the United States defense hasn't given up many opportunities he's he's made some saves when his numbers is called but right. i worry the impact he's making isn't enough to really shake up things on the depth chart so uh maybe that'll change throughout the rest of the tournament i know he had a good save against jamaica uh maybe there's a mexico game where he stands on his head and kind of kind of broadens that conversation a little bit more um but right now i, I i'm worried he's a little bit in limbo and he's not going to be able to crack kind of the top two spots now uh not not just the right. starting point, but uh, I'm worried that this gold cup is going to go good, not great. Uh, and, you know, as a 26 year old, I, I worry that's going to be the nail in the coffin for him. But I don't, what do you guys think? Cause I, I know you guys follow us a little, probably a little bit more than me. Yeah. Unbiased, you know, where, where do you think <laughs> on that turn? No, I think, I think you bring up a good point with Horvath. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think, um, you know, Matt Turner is probably still the best shot stopper out there. And, I really still worry about Zach Steffen being at Manchester City and not getting a lot of playing time. I know a lot of people will say, well, he's training against the best, some of the best players in the world, but it's totally different. Like when, when we saw him come over for the, for the uh, Nations League, I think it was in that first match of the Nations League or one of the friendlies of the Nations League, he looked a little lost at times, Steffen, like a little out of step. And it's because he had only played the FA Cup or the Capital One Cup, one of the right. uh, Carabao Cup, I guess is what's called now, <laughs> Capital One Cup. That was a while ago. Um, then, uh, so I, I still think there is a spot for, for Matt Turner, but like you mm -hmm. said, he hasn't really had uh, statistically his best season either, so I'm not sure how much Greg is putting in that. But, you know, hey, like you said, if we face Mexico in a final and we end up winning it because he stands on his head, I think that that perception could change again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think with with Stefan, 
I, I thought that this, the injury that he sustained, because, again, soccer is just not transparent enough with their injuries, but then he walks in and he starts today for City in their or preseason match. So I think that, you know, like you said, Greg, I, th- I agree. I think it, he's probably third on that depth chart. It's really hard to kind of shake loose the two the, the tree that uh, those two limbs are up there. So I think, you know, with Horvath, the way that he plays. It also depends how Horvath does it now. Yeah, that's he true. Clubs yeah. Too, so I guess but, we'll see that. Yeah, I think you need to Matt maybe to have it, and maybe it's good for Res fans that he hasn't had to do it as much this year. But maybe if he had to stand on his head all the time uh, with the Revs, um, kind of like a Stuver does for for Austin, I guess you could make the case for for hey maybe uh, Matt Turner. But I, I think you're right. I think with just the the profile, and it, it seems like Greg has just favored Stefan no matter where Stefan's been. It's been Zach Stefan's his guy, and and I think that that's pretty much going to be the case when when World Cup qualifying comes around. And, but it is nice to have a Matt Turner in your back pocket in case something happens to the two of them. Yeah, I think the feedback from or, or the impression Matt Turner is making in the Gold Cup is positive. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're really excited about that. But again, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's enough to really change heads and think, you know, we need to shoot this guy up the depth chart. So um, as I say, the waters are a little bit muddy. So I, I don't know. It's a it's a little disappointing from that standpoint. But um as I say, I think just Matt Turner playing in the Gold Cup and starting and getting quality minutes uh, is a really, really positive sign. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's really all we could ask for because I think a year ago, you know, we, we weren't really sure he was even going to get the opportunity. So oh, I do is. have I do have one last one, actually, just about yeah. like a potential stadium for, uh, you know, New England Revolution in Boston. We hear about this every, you know, a couple of years or whatever. But do you think that ever actually happens at any point, or are they uh, perpetually stuck in Gillette Stadium? Yeah, well, and, and actually, it's a good. I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, in, in regards to the rebrand, everyone thought that a rebrand would come when a stadium happens. Right, uh, right. And, you know, so people got excited when there was rumors of the rebrand, and then uh, I think someone from the Athletic tweeted out a quote uh, that someone in the Rev said that you know they're not necessarily going to go hand in hand. So that kind of deflated those rumors. Yeah. Um, there is some talk about there's a casino in Everett, which is north of Boston, um, which is not doing great. It opened just a few years ago, but they have some land around them. And the crafts have kind of been tied with them as maybe uh, that's a location for a stadium that the casino would lease the land to them and give them a deal to kind of bring people up there. Is that that's closer probably, than Foxborough? Because I'm not too familiar with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Foxborough is, is a while away. It's probably a good half an hour, 45 minutes south. Oh, okay. It's closer to Rhode Island than it is to Boston. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it, it's a hike down. So Everett is just north of the city. Um, traffic would be a little tough, but th- that's kind of the biggest you know, rumor right now that, that's tied to it. Um, Boston real estate is just really expensive. And I know New York City FC is going through the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just a limited supply. And, you know, a, a, a soccer stadium just isn't at the top of the list in terms of what the city of Boston needs. So, mm-hmm. and, and in terms of public financing, Kraft doesn't seem to really have a lot of pull in getting it for a soccer stadium, which is always, you know, a, a big hurdle for, I mean, he, he didn't get public, or he was very close to not getting public financing for the, the Patriots and, and wow. almost the team to Hartford in the 90s. So a soccer stadium is going to be hard. So I'm very pessimistic on it ever happening. Um, a lot of things would have to fall into place. Um, a lot of fans are at the point of, you know, wanting a stadium outside of Boston and maybe in the suburbs, uh, maybe in Foxborough, maybe somewhere else. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of a revolution stadium, uh, I, I'm very pessimistic on it happening anytime in the near future. Well, let's end on that downer, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> Craig, if you want to go ahead and plug where people can find all of your hard work. 
Yeah, uh, you can find us. Uh, well, we're on Revolution Recap. Uh, we're available on all podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform. Uh, you'll find us. Just search Revolution Recap. You can also find us on social media at Revolution Recap on Twitter. We also have a Revolution Recap Facebook and Instagram pages. So uh, anytime we do a live Twitter show where people can join in and give their thoughts, uh, you can you know uh, join us on Twitter and we'll update that on Facebook and, and Instagram as well. Uh, and also, we since we've talked last, uh, we have a new sponsor of the show, uh, Galasso Kits. Uh, GalassoKits.com. Uh, they have. Uh, new and used jerseys. Uh, they have teams from all over the world, over 80 countries, club and country, uh, anything you can find. So um, regardless of what team you support, there's probably going to be something for you. Uh, and if you use promo code REVSRECAP, R-E-V-S-R-E-C-A-P, it's 15% off your order. So give them right. uh, check them out, galassokits.com or at galassokits on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on, Greg. We'll have to have you on, you know, when they're lifting that supporter shield later this year. Lifting the supporter shield, <laughs> lifting the MLS Cup, lifting the Open Cup next year. Right, lifting John Bell. All the above. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for for uh, having me on, guys. I really appreciate it, and I, I really enjoy your show too. I've been listening uh, throughout the year, so uh, keep you. up the good work. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. See you later. Yeah. Awesome. Nice to have Greg back on. It's really fun to talk to, to to guys like that, just because they it does it gives you a sense of what's going on, on the, around the team that you just don't know much about. Because like we, we never would have dug up the the craft the casino uh, connection unless we really wanted to get digging on that stadium. Yeah, so yeah. It's just cool to just hear, you know. And I didn't know Foxborough was near Rhode Island. I had no Me idea either. was. I knew so. it was somewhere in Massachusetts. Is all I knew. I thought it was in hell because Tom Brady was always there, but. <laughs> Yeah, that, <laughs> you're a Dolphins fan for, for people. Yeah. You're a Dolphins fan, so yeah. that is, uh, you some know, some, you were living in hell in those years. <laughs> and I am a Ravens fan, so we we don't have a good time with Tom either. No. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, move on from that. Let's go ahead and preview the games coming up. We have LAFC versus Minnesota. That's tomorrow or today, whatever day you're listening. Wednesday, July 28th at 10.30 p.m. And that game is on, does it say where it is on? It does not. Just a second. It is on uh, just ESPN+. Plus. Then we have on Friday, New York City FC versus Columbus on ESPN+. Plus. We have Orlando versus Atlanta at 8 o'clock. My sister will be there, and so will my dad and my parents. Everybody's going to be there except for me. Holy cow. Uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Then at 10 o'clock, we have LA Galaxy versus Portland Timbers in what should be a fun matchup in the West. That's on ESPN as well. So we got a a battle in the East. We'll see how – Orlando should win that one, but we'll see. Oh, yeah, thanks, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how that goes after the 5-0 whooping. Uh, they just yikes. Um, Saturday, we have Seattle versus San Jose at 5 o'clock on ESPN+. We have New York Red Bulls versus New England on ESPN+. And we have Cincinnati versus D.C. United on ESPN+. Miami versus Montreal on ESPN+, at 8 o'clock. Then we have Houston versus Salt Lake at 8.30 on ESPN+. Kansas City versus Dallas at 8.30. 9 o'clock is Austin versus Colorado and Vancouver versus Minnesota at 10 o'clock. All of those games on ESPN+. Plus. Then on Sunday, we have uh, Philadelphia Union versus Chicago 
on TUDN, Unimas, and Twitter. Then Toronto versus Nashville on ESPN Plus at 7.30. Let's just switch gears real quick to the USA. USA. On uh, Sunday at the witching hour of 10 uh, o'clock by the time this thing kicked off. (laughs) And uh, USA win 1-0 over Jamaica. Pretty nerve-wracking game here as they had to go up against Andre Blake. But... Uh, they they got they eked it out, they won, and thankfully it was before extra time. I tell you, I had to stay up late anyway because my wife was coming home late from her trip, mm-hmm. and uh, I I still ended up being able to go to sleep before she got home um, after this game ended. But I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is gonna go extra time, and I'm gonna have to end up staying up late." But uh, we, we got it done in like the 84th minute or something. Yeah. No, I was late. <laughs> really late. Yeah, it was 83rd minute. Really late. It got to a point where I was texting Logan. He wasn't responding back, and I was like, I'm pretty sure he fell asleep. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, uh, <laughs> you know what's funny? Is, it was uh, hockey you, in the 83rd minute. Yeah, when you texted, um, I was watching on my iPad, um, and oh, my okay. iPad, like, it sucks up notifications sometimes, so then yeah, it doesn't yeah. come to my phone. So I look at my phone and go, oh, crap, he's texting me like five times. <laughs> but I was losing speed. I was like, if this was a school night, like this would have had me. Like this, I yeah. couldn't have watched the end of it because it just—it's too late. But luckily, Thursday against Qatar is seven thirty. So yes, um, that's exciting. We, the East Coast <laughs> gets the good side this time. Yeah. So seven thirty uh, against Qatar, who has been playing uh, fantastic this tournament, and also not just fantastic, the host. but they've been playing uh, beautiful. Games, and I don't mean just like how they've been playing. I just mean like back and forth action mm-hmm. on both sides, almost blowing a lead against El Salvador. So I feel pretty good against them. They've they've been leaking goals a bit, so we'll see how that goes. I, I'm feeling pretty confident. How are you feeling? That's on Thursday. Yeah, they score they score quite a bit, so I think it'll it'll be a good test for the defense. I think it, it'll be a lot better defense uh, or a good for the defense, um, which is weird to say than Jamaica because I think the defense is going to have to come out and play. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I don't know much about Qatar uh, at all. So um, the host of the World Cup, and we'll get to see what the hosts have in store for us in, in the Gold Cup. Mexico versus Canada. That should be a fun one as well. I'm really hoping for a Canada-U.S. final. That would be a, Man, that'd be Let's so fun. Do, that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Um, so we're rooting for the neighbors of the North and not the neighbors of the South? Yeah. <laughs> Kings okay. of the North. Okay. Uh, let's let's quickly touch on the U.S. women's team here. Mm. A lot of people woke up at 4 a.m. this morning to watch. We need to stop playing at 4 a.m. is what needs to happen. To, to watch a, a, a very uh, lackluster, not yeah, not non-entertaining game here, where it seemed like they were just not the players themselves were content with the nil-nil draw, but I think the the coaches were, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it ended up being. A nil-nil draw. Uh, Alex Morgan did score a goal that was disallowed for offside, and a lot of you know a lot of people think this one was onside. So we kind of got some unlucky there. But they lose to Sweden three-nil in the opening match, which I'm not sure if we talked about that last week. That may have been the day after we recorded, or maybe we did talk about it. Um, and then uh, th- they beat. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name here. Who, who did they beat? They beat New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand, 6-1. Yeah. I was watching that one. That was a blur on Saturday, I'll tell you that much. 
And then uh, today they draw nil nil. Now they do they are going through, but they will face the Netherlands, which is a uh, a rematch of the 2019 World Cup final. A little worrying that they have to face a team that good this quickly here. And you know, last Olympics they had problems in the uh, in, in, they got knocked down in the quarterfinals. I think it was as well. So, how are you feeling? Feeling any confident here? <sighs> no. Um, I feel like and... it's very hard to like flip a switch from that performance to then a meaningful game that they have to win. And I think that might be their problem. Yeah, and I think the Netherlands are actually a pretty decent side too. So I think it'll be a difficult match. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're in a weird funk. Like the U, I'm not. We don't see this very often with the women's team. Um, and when we do, it, it comes at the expense of the coach. So, um, you know, maybe maybe there's some there's a situation um, where the U.S. come out of this tournament uh, and they're looking for a new head coach. Maybe they're looking for different um, pieces to play. I think that it's really weird that Alex Morgan is like rotational um, and Kristen press seems to be rotational at times too. Um, and their defense just hasn't been up to par. So, you know, I, I think it's a number of things. It's, it's the, that, and, and, you know, they're playing against teams that some of these teams haven't even played with each other for so long because of COVID because the United States has been a lot more open about just playing uh, these matches with uh, the countries over here in CONCACAF. But you look at, you know, European teams. I mean, um, that it was an interesting thing. They, I think they said it's been 18 months or something like that since the New Zealand team had played one match together. Um, they had played some kind of like yeah. people, they would try to get together and kind of play collectively that I think they were like, they were limited to like four or five people per group. So uh, it, it's insane. And it it's not good for the U.S. because I think it's, you're starting to see the decline of some of the counting on. And I think they don't play as much as they can anymore. Um, and they're not to the quality of what they used to be. And then you're starting to see the younger kids kind of come in and play. Um, so I think there's like this transition with the United States and hopefully it's fixed by the next world cup. But I think that they're, they're learning a really tough lesson here uh, in Tokyo. Yeah. It's disappointing, but let's just say let, we can't take them for granted the whole time. No. So we, we shouldn't also be super upset. I understand when like, you know, this happens all the time with like what Yankee fans, yeah. Patriot fans, stuff like yeah. that, where, where they kind of like, if they have a down year, they have a down year and they're like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't want to be like that for the U.S. women's team because look, we've seen them, uh, I've seen them in, in just recent years win two World Cups and a gold medal. And like, that's, that's more than some teams ever get to see. So, yeah we're not going to have this domination all the time as these other nations start to catch up. So I am just appreciative of, of how we've been now. I would like to see us maybe face tougher teams in our friendlies or something to prepare yeah. for some of these tournaments this year. I'm not going to put too much stock on that just because of COVID and stuff, but we, we can't just be facing lesser teams where we thump them, you know, four, nothing, five, nothing all the time. We do have to, start getting some better opponents facing Sweden more often would be yeah. really good because they're always an Achilles heel for us. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but I'm not feeling very confident in this match against Netherlands. It's very hard to be playing the way they are and then just turn it on. Mm -hmm. And if they can do that, if they can find that fifth gear or something, then congrats, they'll, they'll probably be good. But if they can't find that, then we're in some real problems. And I think you're right. I think Flotko could be gone. Um, he hasn't been, 
I mean, like, I know he had not, not had a loss for yeah. a long time, but again, they weren't facing like super quality uh, teams recently. Right. So I guess we'll see how that goes. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, we'll probably have um, those games are all on the weekend. So we would be back next Tuesday to talk about that uh we'll we'll talk about how the usa did against qatar and then whoever however the final goes on sunday yeah so, oh uh there's another show coming on next wednesday that that fans will be excited for maybe i don't know um if we can plug stoppage time but <laughs> <laughs> stoppage time is coming back um, stoppage time soccer show that's our other show yeah. about the premier league we're going to be doing our I think we're doing a transfer special next week, and then the week after that will be our preview for the season, just like we did here, where we predicted, uh, you know, where I predicted Atlanta second place, and that's yeah. not turning out so great. Uh, yeah. We also did, and I predicted Portland first, that's not turning out so great. Uh, we also predict the EPL. We nailed the top four last yeah. year, but. We'll decide who is top four. We'll decide who manager of the year is, which I nailed with Mikel Arteta last year. And uh, <laughs> it's no Chris Wilder, okay? <laughs> yeah, yours is Chris Wilder. <laughs> I'm telling you, everything that happens opposite. Don't don't believe anything I say, people. Like anything I say. Um, so the U.S. I'm not. Uh, the U.S. is going to lose three nil to Qatar. So now we're going to win three nil. That's how it works. All right, uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna be breaking all that stuff down for the Premier League, and we're gonna be ramping up for our weekly, uh, you know, Premier League reviews and so a fantasy draft. If anybody that's with wants our friend, yeah, we're probably try to do a fantasy draft in time. I, I can guess. put it out on stateside. Like, I go can ahead, put it let's do here. it. Let's, let's do it. it. We have like four hundred followers. We'll yeah. we'll get some. We'll find probably. some people, uh, and we can do it on here. We can do it live like we did before. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. We'll be doing that. If you want to check us out there, that's uh, at Stoppage Time. I don't know what, at Stoppage Show on Twitter and stuff? I forget. I have it right here. Hold on, hold on. It's been too long, man. Right here. Okay, at Stoppage Show, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show, Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com, or Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show, where you can follow this show on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email Stateside Show at gmail.com. And we'll catch you all next week. Go, go, USA. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.